Welcome, everyone, today. Hopefully, we're going to have a little bit of fun. Our friend Jimmy Fela from the Gutfeld Show joins us. He, of course, is the host of Fox Cross America, noon to 3 Eastern time. Weekdays, uh, something that Greg Gutfeld never gives him is the tune-in times. Uh, reminder, we have tomorrow Vibeck Meniche. I can't really pronounce her name. I'll learn it between now and tomorrow. She is the Danish researcher that did some excellent studies that showed that 90% of the adverse vaccine reactions were accounted for by 5% of the batches. And she had a hell of a time getting that published for no good reason. So we'll find out more about that. And of course, Kelly Victory will be with us today. Today, Jimmy Fallon, uh, a reformed New York City cab driver, now stand-up comedian and radio host. He, uh, We're going to talk all things mask mandates and Hawaii fires. He's got a lot of opinions on a lot of things. Hopefully, I have a little fun, and we'll take calls as well on Twitter Spaces. You saw the little cartoon there, how to get up there. So we'll see you on the Spaces after we take... Well, we're going to first talk to Jimmy after this break. Our laws, as it pertain to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell do you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. There are three steps to great-looking, glowing complexion in the summer. Of course, apply sunscreen, stay hydrated, and use the amazing skincare products from our friends at Genucel. Most retinol creams are not recommended for sunlight, but Genucel's Ultra Retinol uses a powerful plant extract retinol. It's an alternative called Bacuchiol which helps the skin stay hydrated, smooths out fine lines without harsh side effects. And it is safe to use outside under your sunscreen. Genucel works so well, you can see the results in this unplanned live moment on our show when the Redness Repair Cream repaired my skin in just minutes right before your eyes. And Susan and I love Genucel so much, we created our affordable bundles at up to 72% off of our favorite products at genucel.com slash drew and just for the summer every subscription includes a customized summer spa gift box absolutely free i know i'm a snob about the products i use on my face everybody knows it every time i go to the dermatologist's office they're just rows and rows of different creams and then when i get to the counter they're overpriced all kinds of products that you can all find at genucel.com see what's in our bundles get ready to show off your summertime skin Go to genucel.com slash Drew, that's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash D-R-E-W, genucel.com slash Drew, and remember to use the code Drew at checkout for extra savings. Temperatures are soaring across the country, but do not lose sleep over the record-breaking heat. Say goodbye to hot, restless nights with soft, breathable, temperature-regulating bedding from Cozy Earth. Susan and I love them. We were so excited to tell you about them. In fact, we have them on our bed right now, and the Cozy Earth earth sheets made such a difference we got back from our trip and but like delighted to have these sheets they're made from super soft viscous from bamboo that are, helps regulate temperatures and keeps us comfortable all night long plus they're durable machine washable come with a 10-year warranty against defects 
It's no surprise that Cozy Earth's brand has been featured on Oprah's favorite things for five years in a row. They are now one of my favorite things too. I want you to try these out for yourself. I am excited about a special deal that Cozy Earth is offering on our show today. My audience can save 40% on Cozy Earth betting today. Just go to CozyEarth.com, enter our promo code Drew at checkout, and you will save 40% right now. Try them for 100 nights. If you don't sleep cooler and love them, send them back for a full refund. That is C-O-Z-Y-E-A-R-T-H dot com, promo code D-R-E-W. And we are back. Thank you so much. As I said, re just remember tomorrow we're going to get into the science of publication and uh, why that publication was such an excellent study, why they had difficulty getting that published in major journals. And she was actually, she was published in a very fine journal, but not in a major, one of the majors, which is where it should have been. This is still a story that's uh, evolving. But today we'll bring a little levity to the conversation with our friend Jimmy Fela from uh, the Greg Gutfeld Show. Again, his radio program is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fela. You can hear it Monday through Friday, noon to three Eastern time. So that's nine to noon, those of you out here. Please welcome Jimmy Fela. There you are. Good uh oh, to see you, my no man. sound. Hold on, Jimmy. There you no, are. You, you had no dare. sound for a second. So. I mean, true? that would that be for, for you. No way. We got you back. But that would have been uh, one of the worst uh, moments of your life to not be heard. Not, not let your voice get through. <laughs> so, you so, hey, it. I want to hear. So it's good to have you, my friend. Uh, and I really I'm, I'm mad at Greg for not giving the tune in on your radio program. I, I didn't even know it was a radio program until I started preparing for today. I thought it was like a, a YouTube thing or something. And you follow um, Brian Kilmeade on Fox Cross America on that is Fox News Radio, right? Yes. And if one of you were to tune in tomorrow, you would double my ratings. So that's kind of a big deal. I would We'll see bonus. if we can double them up. Well, here's the thing, really quick. So I got yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I was all I was going to say is Gutfeld is actually super duper helpful to my career, but we have this oh, begrudging sure. rivalry. We have this begrudging rivalry over fashion. He doesn't like my outfits because they don't come in kid sizes. But had that mm -hmm, changed, mm -hmm. I think he'd be an early adapter. Well, you're you're a little flashy with the the coats that you wear that look like uh, sort of bowling uniforms from the '70s, oftentimes. And today we got po polka dots, but for God's sakes, he wears vandals T-shirts and then has a three hundred dollar coat on top of it. I mean, what's he doing? Thank you. Okay, and to be honest with you, like my my look, it doesn't work for him, and I get and I love that about him. But to most no, of the it does country. Not. They, but, but but to most of the country, they love me because I look like an affordable male stripper. You know what I'm saying? Not everybody out there yeah. has not everybody out there has the budget for Magic Mike, but they can all afford Tragic Mike, and that's kind of my mm -hmm. contribution to the aesthetic. There's a lot of chubby chasers I out there, it. Drew. I will, and I will not have that. You can mute my mic. You will not silence the chubby chasers. You got to lean into your strength, my friend. I've noticed he does not. He does not uh, take. Uh, uh, any sort of issue with how Tyrus presents himself. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. <laughs> he's, he's finally at a place where he's enjoying his life. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So I wanted, I wanted to mention one other thing that, um, we had Cat Timp's book launch party at our apartment building in New York City, and you very kindly came. And uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, Susan Pinsky became huge Mackie and Fela fans after meeting you guys. And Shuli. What? Shuli. 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 Yes. 
Shuli's from, you mean from the Stern show? Shuli does the, he does the Biden stuff. Right. Oh, Tom Shalui. Oh, Shalui. We're like, Shuli, Shuli. Yeah. So the three of you became obsessions of Susan Pinsky after that party. So she's huge fans uh, of you guys. And I uh, know. Mm -hmm. I told him. Oh, you told, she told you? That's a little scary. I laugh. I, I, I laugh and I text him and go, hey, you were funny tonight. He goes, gee, thanks. Oh, come on, Sue. We have, a little, we, have, we have a little thing going on here, Drew. You didn't know about it's it. It's getting a little scary, as a matter of fact. You know, I did, back to the chubby chase thing uh, stuff. I don't, maybe I'm losing too much weight for you. So. My demographic just grew even more. Take that, Drew. Oh, I think she's uncomfortable. We're making her uncomfortable. This I'm is good. Sweating. This is good. This is good. But I was surprised at her affection for Mackie. That one sort of surprised me. Uh, because Mackie, you know, Mackie's his own kind of humor, and it's it's it's. A, I love uh -huh. it, but I didn't know Susan Pinsky oh. was going to dig it quite as much. Can I, can I just jump in? Because I fell in love. Mm -hmm. I fell in love with Mackie the first time I met him at Comic Strip Live. But it's also strategic mm. because Mac, Mackie very much has a school shooter vibe. So you want to get on the good yeah. side. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. And I met his, was it wife or girlfriend? She was remarkably normal. Was she being like held hostage or something? Or was that just some sort of stand in for the night to make him seem normal? So I, I can't, I can't touch that one. Uh, but I do know those agency mm -hmm. fees go a long way. Ah, uh, good. All right. Good. So listen, one of the things I have not heard, and I'm sure it's somewhere, but I wanted to hear it myself was your history uh well where you came from and cab driving and all that stuff where did you grow up so i grew up on long island in levittown new york mm. nassau county hey girl and uh, mm. i know nobody likes nobody likes a show off but i did go to nassau community college i don't mean to wow. piss to whip you guys i don't mean to piss to whip you guys with my intellectual prosperity but uh yes i grew up in levittown i started driving a cab and doing stand-up and the way I wound up at Fox is a booker for Kennedy show uh, saw me at the Gotham Comedy Club and invited me to come do her show. And it's kind of weird, Drew, because the first the first time I was booked on Fox, I wasn't even sure if it was like a real booking. So like I legit yeah, had yeah. my tax. I had my taxi double parked outside with the hazards on and the trunk open. And I came in and did like wow. a four minute TV hit like you do. And then I had to run out and get my cab. Like when it was over, I said to her, like, nice meeting you. I got to go get my cab. And she was like, but there's nobody in it. And I was like, oh, here's the thing. Like, it's my cab. And it was a little awkward, but we made it work. And a couple of things. I just learned something that if I need to park on New York streets, I leave the hood open or the, the trunk open. I did not know that little trick, but thank you for that. That's a good one. <laughs> and... And how old, and by the way, the community college, what we call out here in the West, junior college, junior, junior <laughs> college. And, uh, and uh, what, so you're driving a cab, you must have been 20 or so, 19? Are you that I young? Started driving, I started driving, I'm 45. So I actually, no, I started driving a cab yeah. like around my 30th birthday. And really what were you doing that 10 years in between? Uh, what were you doing it from 19 to 30? gambling uh what was i doing i was yeah whippets mm. uh i was betting on mm. horses and sports and doing stand-up like mm. i started doing stand-up as like a feature act like an opening act like full-time in like 2003. so mm -hmm. when at the time my wife got pregnant 
I was doing well enough in stand up that I needed to go get a taxi license, you know, and start wow. you know making like some yeah. some side dough. And uh, that's what we did when my son Lincoln was born. I was driving a cab doing stand up, and here we are. So I was talking to Adam Carolla today. We were talking about a scene from uh, And Just Like That or whatever, whatever the new Sex of the City is called. And they had a scene where a guy was discriminating against a, a, a African-American cab hailer, which I know unfortunately happens. But what struck us was in the episode, the cab driver was white. I, I've never seen a white cab driver in New York. Were you the only one? Are there some more out there? It's 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 quite a rare sighting, isn't it? Everyone who gets in your cab either thinks you're an undercover cop or it's Cash Cab. Remember the game show Cash Cab? <laughs> yeah. So yes, people yes. people would always get people would always get in my cab and like two blocks in, they'd be like, "So, do you have any questions you want to ask us?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, where, where are you headed?" I didn't have any questions, but they always thought I was on a game show. But that can I just, is hysterical. Yeah. Can I just add one thing to this note, though? This is important because people ask you yeah. as a cab, they ask you as a cab driver, do you ever profile and not pick someone up because they look dangerous? Yeah. And I will tell you, it's yeah. actually not true because when you drive a cab 12 hours a day, you want to die. So if I didn't mm, pick already. you up, yes. Yes. If I, if I didn't pick you up, it's because you didn't look dangerous enough. That's all I'm saying. So a knife in the neck. You're looking for the guy that with the tattoos on the neck and a sharp object. It's good. Yeah. You're rooting for that guy. Well, it's it is it is you know the culture of cabs in New York is fascinating. You know, it's it's I I in the way they've changed. What kind of vehicle? They, they've changed the vehicles lately, so they're very different than they were. I'm guessing you had it back in the days when it was just like the you know sort of more of a four door sedan kind of look. Yeah. I had like a Ford Crown Vic. It didn't run on like you know yeah. wind and and yeah. angel tears or anything they're doing now. Yeah, uh, right, right. Old school Crown Victoria. Gas. Remember gas? You put gas in a car? We still do that on the East mm -hmm. Coast. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, I, but I'm not overstating the profiling of the cab driver, am I? That it's so it's so rare to find a Caucasian cab driver, right? What what do you, what is that? I don't even know what that is. Why why is it? it and it's usually guys with an with a you know, I, it's sort of a what again back to Corolla, sort of a Johnny Quest villain accent. Like I can't lo I can't figure out where they're from. It could be a, a multiplicity of places, but you know uh, what I mean? Is that is that yeah. just why is that in New York specifically? A lot of oh, there's a lot of Russian dudes that drive cabs, but basically what happened is New York had a predominantly oh. white. We had a lot of white cab drivers, and what happened was '70s and '80s. The taxi medallions are so expensive that when guys eventually mm. saved up to afford a medallion, they started to use them like real estate. And instead of driving, they refinanced them to buy more medallions. And at the height of oh, interesting, for real, yeah. I don't mean to get all inside baseball. That's interesting. No, that's that's fascinating. Yeah, so at the height of the medallions, yeah. they were worth about a million one. And most of the guys who owned them were white, wow. but they were leasing them out to other people who were new to the country and oh getting my new goodness. jobs. Yeah. So oh my God. Act. So that is a fast, that is a fascinating piece of history that I didn't know. I spent a lot of time in New York. I'm, I'm guessing most people don't know that. And the Russian guys, I, I remember the Russian guys for a minute, but those guys all became Uber drivers, it seemed to me. <laughs> They're all driving the Ubers now. Am I, am I missing that one too? <laughs> They're, they're either driving Ubers or a van full of strippers to flash dancers. That's every Russian yes. guy I know. Every Russian guy. That's right. 
That's right. <laughs> Susan, do you have any questions for Jimmy before we kind of get into some stuff here? No, go ahead. Okay. So I saw you tweet today something about uh, the Maui fires and uh, President Biden's performance there. Uh, I wonder what, flesh out your thoughts for me. It was, it was a very un, unfortunate, I, I felt sorry for him. Yeah, I felt sorry for everybody because there's this thing going on here where I don't doubt that Biden means well in these situations. Like he makes mm -hmm. attempts at empathy, but he's genuinely, mm -hmm. genuinely just not good at it. So like when he shows mm -hmm. up and tells the when he tells the story he's being made fun of for, which is, I know what you guys are going through, you know, my microwave caught fire or whatever the heck he's saying. And he almost lost his house. And he yeah. says, my Corvette and my cats. Like, first of all, nobody cares. OK, but second of all, and this is the problem. It's like you're attempting to demonstrate empathy, but you're comparing yeah. your you're comparing your almost to their reality. Yeah. You dig? It's one yeah. of the most annoying things in New York, Drew, is after 9-11, there were those people who would tell you how things would have been different for them. Had You know, I normally take the A train every day, but if I had taken the one train 20 minutes earlier than I used to, I would have been there. Mm. Like, yeah, but you weren't there. So mm -hmm. shut up. Why are you giving mm. us hypothetical trauma to go with our real trauma? And that's, I think, the biggest problem with what Biden did is all jokes aside, he's shoveling like a fake trauma onto a real trauma. That's not empathy. That's just well, a weird that's really It's really interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, I'm, I'm guessing it's all the same kind of people that do that. It is sort of a narcissistic trait, which is I'm trying to feel what you're feeling, but, the, but everything revolves around me. So all I can do is tell you what I've been through or what might have happened to me or what if I had been there because it's all about me. That's the way narcissism is. It's all in relation to me. Uh, and it, what I felt terrible about for him was that it really exposed a deep trouble appreciating what had actually happened there because he clearly yeah. did not get it. I mean, the fact, if you can come up with that, it's like, oh, dude, come on. This was, and, and we, and by so bad that they're not even telling us how bad it was yet, which is another yeah. thing that troubled me that the Hawaiian uh, authorities are sitting there like, uh, it's bad, it's bad, but they won't tell you. See, this is, this is an interesting topic which is that we live in a time when people are fearful. Remember the movie uh, A Few Good Men and the Jack Nicholson character that scre screamed at Tom Cruise, you can't handle the yeah. truth? That was the villain in the movie. That was We all looked at that and said, that's a horrible human being. That's a villain. Yeah. That's the worst that the military has to offer. And now that is a pervasive impulse everywhere not in media in government in military and here the government you know doesn't tell us what's happening because you can't handle it it happened in covid it's happening everywhere all the time and the fact is like i interview lots of people that were silenced because you can't handle what they were saying or what they're saying was yeah. i don't know contrary to a narrative or something and and having worked in the psychiatric hospital for 35 years i can tell you for sure that you take anybody and you restrict information. You tell them, you know, you just go to them, well, something happened, but maybe maybe we'll tell you. 
people immediately become paranoid. And paranoid people become very paranoid and conspiratorial. But even a normal person is trying to understand motivation. And they'll like try to, they start going on a witch hunt is really what happens. Like, what, what's happening here? Something bad happened. We got to blame somebody. Or why aren't they telling us? There must be a, a reason. There must be something behind it. It's the opposite of how you manage these things, which is sunshine and fresh air. I, I wonder if you have any thoughts about that and how we got here. Well, that's part of the truth is this, okay? They've created, okay, this massive gap between what people believe to be true and what they're willing to say in public. And if you start there, okay, when you talked about people who've been banned on your show and stuff of that nature, okay, it created this, it kind of like pistol whipped us all into compliance because we were more fearful of the backlash that would come from speaking what we believed to be true. And yeah. once we became yeah. reluctant, once we became reluctant to express our own beliefs, it became kind of commonplace to withhold information, whether we were doing it ourselves yeah. in polite society or the government was doing it to us. Like it used to be mm -hmm. when there was a tragedy, you know, heaven forbid a shooting, you'd have a sheriff at a podium every hour, every two hours, every four hours. This is yeah. what we know. This yeah. is what we found out. Yeah. We're actually not getting that now. And part of it is not right. so much you can't handle the truth so much as like, we just don't owe it to you. It's weird that we've kind of accepted this, but part of the way yes. we've accepted it is by being shamed out of standing our ground in a lot of key areas. So that's the part that bothers me is people always say like, oh, you know, America needs to have a conversation. America's not having a conversation about anything. Because the minute I stay to mm. believe, like oh, America needs to have a conversation, I'm like, okay, I'm not sure about the vaccine. They're like, well, your wife's a hoe. And I'm like, whoa, hold yeah. on a second. And maybe yeah. she is. And they, maybe they she is. We're working on it. Yeah, we're working on it. And that's <laughs> where the conversation goes. And the fact that we don't feel yeah. comfortable engaging in a free exchange of ideas is also why we're no longer demanding it from public officials. Yes. And in the meantime, just to pile on, I agree 100% with everything you just said. Government is not functioning. It's not functioning. I dare you to drive around Los Angeles and tell me Los Angeles government is functioning. The basic functions, water, sanitation, safety, roads, forestry management, basic power, none of it functions normally. It's all sort of barely functioning or going in and out and, and no sense of you know the, the 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 in this city in this county in this state they blame the citizens if things don't work right yeah don't use so much power damn it stop it turn your <laughs> air conditioning off it's it's the opposite of governing turn your water off yeah turn your water off turn your, it's, it's the opposite of governing it's weird did you ever think you'd live to see the day where they were victim blaming as a government you know they're like yeah. look yeah, at the, right. look at the way look at look at the way he gassed up your honor he was asking for it you saw the way it gassed right. up that. that not not you know. only that, that's right. And not only that, though, when you when you start blaming it all on climate, which is fine, let's blame it on climate, then prepare for the consequences of climate. Us reducing our carbon footprint in Pasadena is not going to change the carbon issue in the world. So let's start governing and dealing with it. We need to be build seawalls or better drains or whatever it might be. Do the freaking governing rather than just sitting, wringing your hands about the future.
Yeah, well, that's the problem, I think, in general, with people who want to give control of their lives to the government. It's like we all have a friend mm. who's been married, who's been divorced nine times that wants to give you relationship advice. And there's a reason you're not mm. eager to get their advice, you know, and that's the government. Mm. If they've screwed up in every area of their existence, it's hard to want to cede control. But to the point of the climate really quick, I'm not an expert on this, as you'd imagine. Yeah. OK, yeah. But I do know. Yeah. We have we have cut emissions as much as any major industrialized nation, uh, you know, but regardless, China being the biggest polluter in the world, more so than every industrialized nation combined. Right. Means anything we're doing, anything we're doing is moot. Like I try to explain this to people. You've got to yeah. look at the world. Yeah. The world is a pool. Yeah. And all we're doing in our end of the pool is creating a no peeing section. But guess what? China has a section. <laughs> They have their own section. And here's the yeah. bad news. It's in the same pool as ours. So none of this matters yeah. unless we get like a global compliance. So instead, we're just giving yeah. up so much of what we need to thrive as a country and nothing's getting better. So that part drives me crazy. I mean, you know, when a guy in polka dots is the voice of reason, we're in a bad spot. Did you did you take away any life lessons from your cabbie years? I, I'm just curious what kinds of things you learn because I'm certain you learn a lot of. As you said you want to kill yourself, but you want to kill yourself because you're dealing with the public. You want to, you and and New York public too, and you must learn a bit about humanity and about the city. I'm wondering. Yeah, well, the big thing when you drive a cab is you do become like an affordable therapist for a lot of people mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because they get mm -hmm. into your cab and they don't believe they're ever going to see you again. So they do give you like their mm -hmm. conspiracy theories and their pork chop recipes, and they'll talk to you all about their relationships and their love lives. And here's a newsflash. Sometimes you see him again, which a uh, little awkward when the guy gets in two days after, you know, well, good morning, cowboy. You know, are you back in the saddle yet? That whole thing. But what I've learned is, and this is the truth, okay, talking to human beings is so mm -hmm. profoundly helpful to our mental and emotional yeah. well-being, just the act of talking, expressing yourself, exchanging yeah. ideas. The fact that we've yeah. gone as digital as we have, I think is creating this idea where empathy has become a brand instead of a value, instead yeah. of a trait. And I think it's more important now in the digital age to say the right things, to put the right flag in your profile, than it is to actually yes, care. Yes. And I don't, I don't think you care yes. unless you physically engage with other people because our phone is so carefully calibrated to make us the center of the universe that we don't scale. You know what I mean? Like if you watch something yes. on your phone, yes. it doesn't like hurt, you know, deal with you emotionally. It's just another thumbnail you're going to click on. And that's the part I think that I miss the most about cab driving is you could see where other people were benefiting just from being engaged. We don't do a lot of that now. Yes. So, so I, again, I'm mostly piling on to everything you're saying. Um, oh, the, the kind of caring, the kind of caring that goes on now is sort of narcissistic caring. I'm caring to show you how, how gratifying, how great I am, so I can be gratified by caring so much. And by the way, a lot of the caring these days is rescuing, and rescuing is extremely unhealthy. So once you rescue somebody, you unless it's some acute crisis, obviously, or something, but if you chronically re rescue people from their emotional states, you are leaving them chronically dependent on rescue. You need to hold the line, hold the boundary, be with people, let them struggle themselves, as painful as it might be. And as, and you're and you're using the word empathy 
I think the word we got to kind of get a little more into the lexicon. Maybe this isn't the right word yet, but but attunement or something because it's not it's not you don't have to empathize with somebody who comes in your cab. That's a lot of work, but you can attune to them. You can be present. You can listen. You know what I mean? And and yeah. that's the part you can't do online that you can do in person. I know for sure it happens to be biologically very very healthy. Yeah, I mean you think of it this way. Imagine you were pouring your guts out to someone in person and they started scrolling on their phone. You know, it really mm -hmm. just kind of demeans what you're expressing, but understand when you do it on your phone, you're literally only communicating with people scrolling on their phone. So we've really yeah. kind of minimized the attention we're giving to anything. And that's the part I think that has probably become the worst thing for our society in that regard is like people don't talk as mm -hmm. much and there's this whole other disconnect now between everything like Drew, I used to say this, okay? When I was growing up, mm -hmm. as okay, I scroll on my computer, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my point is the phone enables us to see things you shouldn't see. OK, when I was a child, Drew, if you wanted to see something yes. as depraved as a man like attacking a hooker, the only way to do it yeah. was to go out and attack a hooker. Now you just put it in your phone and Google's like, did you mean a brunette hooker or a blonde hooker? You know, like that's right. not healthy. That's right. And the fact that we can just access it so easily desensitizes us to what it is. So put yes. your phone down. I agree. I, and we have the press now constantly pumping out uh, fear porn and all this stuff. We're going to take a break in just a second. But uh, I, I wanted to share with you Kelly Victory, how I do a show with on Wednesday. We did a special show yesterday, and she is. Uh, come up with a a new variant uh, on the horizon. The new variant is underway. It's called BS24.7. And so the BS24.7 variant is with us. And I thought it's a great way to push back on some of this nonsense around, you know, trying to make people freak out about COVID. BS24.7. All right, Jimmy Fallon is with us. Let me give you some of his uh, particulars where you can find him on Twitter and whatnot. It's uh, jimmyfaila.com, F-A-L-L-A. It is Instagram at Jim no, Fala. Well, look at you, G I M F A L L A. Oh, no, it's F A no? I L L A. You're close. What did I say? I don't see like the F I L L A. What did I say? Yeah. I we said I. <laughs> okay, it's F A I L L A. F A I L L A. I saw the I and I just skipped over the A. Is it, and then isn't Twitter it a bad Fala. Isn't it a bad sign for me that I didn't catch it, but he did? <laughs> it is a little concerning that neither of us thought about it. It's weird, but uh, things like that happening more often these days. We'll take a little break. Uh, back with your calls and Jimmy Fela after this. So get ready on uh, Twitter Spaces. Space. I suspect you've seen Susan and I gushing over Paleo Valley products. We love the taste and how well they fit into a paleo-based nutrition regimen. They're delicious and we use them for travel all the time. But there is more. We are huge fans as well of Paleo Valley's grass-fed bone broth protein. It comes in three flavors, unflavored, vanilla and chocolate. It's a powder you can add to really anything. We add it to coffee literally every day. Smoothies, baked dishes, uh, just hot water dissolves really easily. The bone broth protein is made with 100% grass-fed and finished bones that are free from pesticides or antibiotics and are slow simmered to extract as much collagen as possible. As we age, collagen breaks down. That's what wrinkles are. And research shows that there are significant benefits to adding a collagen source in your diet. I don't think it's too much to say it's changed our lives. And Susan is now reporting that after drinking the bone broth for a few weeks, 
Her hair is stronger and longer, and nails are stronger, too. Try it for yourself. You can order at drdrew.com slash paleovalley and use Dr. Drew at checkout to save an additional 15%. I want to share with you a teeth whitening system that goes beyond merely enhancing your smile. Primal Life Organics Real White Teeth Whitening System offers convenience and rapid results without harsh chemicals. Light. Blue light for whitening. Red light for gum and oral hygiene. And you can just do both if you wish. Works naturally, promoting gum healing, tooth remineralization, gives you a brighter and a healthier smile. Again, no peroxide involved. Consistent usage yields remarkable results. Take this opportunity to transform your smile and at the same time, optimize your oral health. Aim for five times a week for the best outcomes. Discover more about this remarkable teeth whitening system and other products at drdrew.com primal today. That again is drdrew.com p-r-i-m-a-l. Be sure to use that link for 60% off drdrew.com p-r-i-m-a-l. Do it today for 60% off. A lot of you have been asking for more information about how to counter the adverse effects of the spike protein from COVID infections and the COVID vaccine. The spike protein is not your friend. Let's just say that. So I'm glad we have the wellness company Spike Support Formula as a sponsor, especially since renowned internist and cardiologist Dr. Peter McCullough who's also chief scientific officer of the wellness company, is one of its champions. There's some very intriguing research around natokinase, which might be a way to take on the spike protein. Listen to this. So start, if you would, with talking about natokinase, how you got to that and where you see its application. So with the viral infection or the vaccines, the spike protein stays within the body and it's found in the heart, the brain, the vital organs, and is causing problems. The Japanese have been using this for heart and vascular disease now for 20 years, it's safe, it is a form of a mild blood thinner, that it dissolves the spike protein nearly completely. Spike support formula is the only product on the market containing natokinase, dandelion root, and a host of other antioxidants, all showing promise in helping you protect yourself and your family. To order this unique, specially formulated supplement, go to drdrew.com TWC. That is drdrew.com slash TWC. Use code DREW at checkout for 10% off today. Welcome back. We're here with Jimmy Fela. And uh, speaking of the uh, wellness company, we, they have a really interesting product that we're going to be telling you about soon. That I, We I love just, all our sponsors, but this one's new and well, it's exciting. New and, and I just think sort of genius. And as a physician, I just like, oh my God, how, we're gonna, this is such a great idea. So you, we'll be telling you about that. Soon. Go to drdrew.com slash sponsors and find all the coupon codes and buy some now. Kelly and I are going to be talking about that very, very soon. So we'll, we'll let you know, but it's, it's stuff that it, it's, it, everyone should have in their closet, really. Most of what, what they're, it's, it's a really good idea. That's all. No spoiler alerts. Yeah. No spoiler alerts. Okay. Uh, let's bring up some of you guys, uh, from the, uh, Twitter space. So just raise your hand there. Uh, Caleb has a little cartoon he plays that just shows you how to be, how to come up. And then once you're up, you got to unmute your mic and, uh, there you are. This is, uh, Mike. Hey, man. hey, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Dr. Drew. Good afternoon. Yep. Good afternoon, sir. Hey, uh, I was I wanted to ask you if you're uh, familiar with or if you watch the Netflix series Painkillers. I just kind of wanted your take on it. I'm kind of watching it. and I was thinking about a, yeah, a lot of the stuff I, you um, talk about. I avoid all of those because they're often incomplete and I got notes and I lived it and it's hard to watch. And yeah. so I, all, all of the, what was the, what was the other one? There was a scripted one 
I actually interviewed the woman that did it, and then uh, everyone gets very focused on big pharma when it pertains to that. And absolutely, absolutely. pharma was duplicitous and rep and reprehensible in their behavior, but it was a small piece of the story at the time. The big story was we had evangelical physicians. I don't mean religious physicians. I mean enthusiasts who believed they were saving the world from pain. They felt pharma was the perfect partner in this, and they went out and got control of all the regulatory agencies, the VA, the California, the Board of Medical, every state medical board, all the professional societies, and mandated dope sick that's what it was beth macy we we uh, interviewed her they mandated that physicians if physicians don't treat pain aggressively meaning you leave the dentist's office with 90 pills or 120 pills you are guilty of patient abuse and you could go to jail and pay and doctors were sent to jail that was the part that really put the rocket fuel on this thing. And so doctors stopped treating pain. They sent everybody to the pain management people. Pain management thought these medicines were the, the most uh, extraordinary breakthrough in the history of humanity that the drug companies were selling. And uh, it was on. It was just whatever the patient said was pain was pain. Whoever said patient said was pain control was pain control. And you don't think my patients took advantage of that? They were they were dying by the hundreds. It was a horrible chapter. I fought against it for years and was crushed by Department of Mental Health, California Board of Medical Association, my own hospital administration. Does this sound familiar to you, Jimmy, based on what happened during COVID? You have oh, Deborah yeah. Burks evangelizing around the country about lockdowns. You have Fauci evangelizing about certain things, you know, and not others. And that was what happened during the opioid epidemic. It was the same damn playbook. Yeah, you should never take advice from anybody in a scarf. That was my takeaway with Burks. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> And it's and it's like you can't. I, the one thing is, like, I can't bag on Fauci too hard because he literally took every position there was to take. So I'm sure at some point he was right. But you could actually watch, obviously, the political science taking precedence over the real science at every turn. And people yes. were, like you yes. said, just getting curb stomped. And what was so crazy about it is you sometimes were expressing dissent with a view that was considered acceptable like an hour ago. Do you, I mean, if you yes. remember where we went That's from, right. there'll never be a vaccine mandate. And then the next day they were like, yeah. get it or you're fired. And we were like, yo, this is weird. And they were like, you're going to well, get it was, everybody. And you forget killed. it. Yeah. You forget a piece of it. That's Trump's vaccine. I would never trust that. That's what California said. We oh. were all like, oh, never take that. That's his vaccine. I play a clip on my radio show every day of Biden and Kamala in the run up to the 2020 election, making it sound like mm -hmm. Trump was making this with his son, Barron, for the school science fair. <laughs> like they, they, they didn't want to do they didn't want to do the traditional, you know, the baking soda volcano that every kid makes in seventh grade. They wanted to go big. They were the Trumps. They're making a vaccine. And now I'm going to kill everybody with it. And that's what they were running with. And you want to know something? If Trump would have yeah. won the election, none of the Democrats would have got vaccinated. Like, no way they would have taken a Trump vaccine. Crazy. Boy, that's interesting. That's an interesting piece of history. Mike, anything else there? saved a few people. Maybe. Well, we no, I got it. it. Thanks. Uh, I got Everybody. it. Thanks. That's Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Uh, Put up the banner, Caleb. 
I just said it would save a few people if they didn't get vaccinated. Hold on a second. We're going to get go. thrown off YouTube if we don't put it up. Yes, put up the banner. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, Graham. Let's get Graham Hill up here. There we go. And again, don't forget to unmute yourself after we get you up here. Yeah, there, there was, it was so, the whole thing was so crazy and uncanny to me. But uh, go ahead there, Graham. I've always heard a, uh, I've always heard the saying, if you really want to know, something about somebody don't ask their mama or ask their preacher instead ask their hairdresser and after hearing jimmy's cab stories i'm thinking maybe we need to add their uh, their cabbie or their driver to that list of the hairdressers where you get the real truth about somebody <laughs> yeah. yo because yeah. i yeah. i know that i know the things the hairdressers won't even tell the other hairdressers they gotta get into it <laughs> yeah. yo can yeah. i just say this like for real when you drive a taxi you get to see society yeah. from an angle that a proctologist sees a patient from. It's a very unique <laughs> angle. I don't yeah. recommend yeah. this for everyone, but there's a lot of truth yeah. in that job that, man, I'll never be able to unsee. Yeah, L listen, that's why uh, Taxi Cab Confessions was literally the best reality show ever created. <laughs> no, I'm with you. Well, there's sort of a free and aspect to Excuse that, me. you know, the anonymity you think you have with the cab driver. So you can just say whatever. And yeah. like you said, it, it really probably is more therapeutic than you would think because you're almost talking to a wall, but it's really a human being. So psychologically you feel like you're getting all of it off your chest to a therapist. So there, there may be some good points yeah. to it. I don't know. Uh, and the and thing Jimmy, I'm guessing also people often loaded, often drunk or something. Oh, here's the thing, man. Yeah. People are getting it. <laughs> People are getting into a taxi and they're under the influence of things you've never even heard of. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. Rubber cement and sweet corn? Like, how are you getting high off that? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's nuts. It's, every, it's a talent show is the best way I can explain it to you. But you do hear some things. Thus the reality show there. And it really was I, I seriously a great, great show about... You know, I, I always look at that stuff and I go, oh, yeah, those are my patients. I, I see that stuff all the time. And it's just, you know, I see it from a slightly more empathic angle. But um, this is uh, LL. I know. I, I wish that that show would come back. That was a good one. Oh, it's a great show. Really great. seriously great show. That, the, you, you could learn a lot about a lot of people watching that. Yeah. Uh, this is LL Cool Bean. Shows. LL Cool Bean. Yo, LL. What, what? Well, all I was going to say, all I was gonna, all I was going to say is like all of the dastardly things you'd hear on taxicab confessions, people just willingly express on TikTok now. It's like yeah, they're not even it's true. They're not even on HBO. They're just like, here's the craziest yeah. thing I've ever thought, and other people click like. It's weird. We like the people we yeah. thought were nuts on taxicab confessions are now just considered influencers. Like it's a weird time. No, no. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So LL Cool Bean, we're, uh, I don't know if you knew that you asked to come up here. I'm trying to add you as a speaker, but it, Caleb, it's not working for some reason. And and it and we're sort of stuck in a weird cycle with her. Can you? It has her listed. She's you, a speaker now, but she needs to unmute. But it, my, it's still the wheel's still turning on my phone. So maybe maybe you can take yeah. her down and put her back up again. I'll do end. that. I'll try that. Okay. Let's try if we can get LL. And by the way, just raise you your hand. You were on a roll before. Yeah, we got plenty of questions. We're doing we got, okay. We got stuff to talk about. 
And uh, you just you just raise your hand as a speaker, and uh, then unmute yourself, and we'll bring you on up. And uh, she's still, and I can't take her down either. I just have it's weird. It's a weird hinterland she's entered into. You can uh, bring up more than one speaker at a time. Okay. Did you know that? Uh, I did know that. Uh, I was trying to avoid doing that, but let's let's do it. Maybe bring up, else will come up Josh if he wants to have a few questions at a crack at Jim. Come on, Josh, get in here. You know Josh. the role. He knows hey, Dr. Drew. There he is. Hey, man. Hey, Josh, yeah. what's happening? Uh, hey, guys. Uh, so I was thinking about narcissism because you mentioned it, and I feel like I mm -hmm. hope we're over that. I, I feel like you were saying in the 90s Oof. there was a lot of narcissism, <laughs> and now we're seeing it with, like, you know, Trump or, or you know, and the thing about it is, is, like, He's in so much trouble right now. And I don't want to make this about politics, but I, I really want to know mm. if we're getting to the point where we can't have these kind of personality disorders anymore. We, we could in the 90s. It was, it was celebrated, but we've really got to mm -hmm. get straight, hopefully pretty soon. Um, and I, I was wondering what you thought about that. Like, are, do you think we might be getting over the hump of these personality disorders? They, they, you don't, it, it, well, here's the deal. You don't, personality disorders do not change. They, and they are not amenable to treatment unless the person is desperate to get better, which you rarely see. Their life has to depend upon it, like addiction. Then we see that people get better. But narcissistic traits, which is really what's pervasive right now, there's a lot of sort of cluster B traits flying around. Like we just talked a few minutes ago about people caring so much. We care so much. That caring is grandiose. That is uh, uh, theatrical, it is narcissistic, and it's not necessarily in the best interest of the individual. The harder work is maybe caring, but just being present for them and not fixing them. Fic the fixing part and the and the you know having to attack people who don't care. That that's all narcissism, and those traits need to be suppressed. <laughs> they need to people need right. to react to those in a negative way. And so to your point, I do think we can kind of talk about these things now. I think before it was unclear what was going on and you couldn't talk about it without getting literally fired or, it, or, or hurt or, or doxxed or something. And, and, and now I think people politics. are sufficiently sick of it. Yeah, it's not politics. It starts with the, it's not politics. It starts it with the family. It starts with the family. And it's it starts with childhood, family and it, doesn't it? And it's you go have hundred percent, and it's scapegoating. Really, at its core, these are scapegoating impulses, and the scapegoating impulse it. is one of the well, it's one of the most destructive impulses you can have. It's an expression of envy, really, at its core, which is somebody has something that makes me feel a little bit less than, so I have to destroy them, and I can destroy them in all kinds of ways, and that's uh, not healthy. Jimmy, your thoughts. Well, I think that's where the whole idea of like canceling comedians comes from. You know, I don't know that people are genuinely offended by a joke that was told at a comedy show they weren't even at, nor do I think the people yeah. doing the canceling then go out and do any type of good deed on behalf of the aggrieved class. It's like when you think Cor of the late, great Gilbert Correct. Godfrey, Gilbert Godfrey got canceled for tweeting about the Japanese tsunami. Okay. I yep. promise you, there was no one suffering from the horrors of a tsunami that was checking American Twitter to see what we were saying right. about it, or heaven That's forbid, right. thinking there was any comparison to be made between joking about it and the actual tragedy. So I think there's and, a, the, the good, yeah, go ahead. 
And not only that, but watching the tragedy needs a little bit of lightening up so we can all tolerate these things. It's okay. Listen, how do you think, you know, there, there. you look at uh, suppressed classes of humans who've been through horrible traumatic things, whether it's African-Americans or Jews and things, they always manage it with humor. It helps, it helps deal with the pain. It helps deal with what we're, what life is all about. It, it is to be encouraged. And that, that's why I thought Kat's book, the title of her book was You Can't Joke About That. And, and she talks about some horrible shit, which was perfect. Perfect. Because really? you've got to be much the way we need to have, we need fresh air and sunshine as it pertains to conversations about everything. We need to let humor drift in appropriately. The one thing, Jimmy, though, I want to ask you this. The one thing I've noticed about humor when it comes to touchy subjects the one thing you must be is funny. You better be funny. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know listen, what I mean? <laughs> oh, a, a thousand percent. Because the only way you're going to get, yeah. you're going to rally any support. Number one is if they, if they're, you got people on your side with a joke. But this is the thing. Man. Yeah. Uh, especially, especially when it comes to jokes. What you've got to target is your audience. Is there is a whole subset of society that is using humor yeah. as a coping mechanism. Okay, people my age yes. grew up grew up joking because when we were in fourth grade, the space shuttle exploded on national TV. And we were all sitting yes. in our classrooms in fourth grade watching the Challenger go up to space or at least try to. And when that ended, there were two kinds of kids in the classroom, people that were either crying or getting sent down for some type of help or therapy, and the rest of us that were telling dirty jokes in the parking lot. And for us, like that's yeah. where humor became like a safe haven. Uh, it was for people to cope who didn't really have the intellectual depth to dive into that trauma or just didn't want to. And that's why I think, you know, the whole idea of everybody having their own coping mechanisms is why you shouldn't ever be policing humor. You know, you might not think it's okay to right. joke at a tragedy, but other people right. do. So I think that's where it starts. Well, like, people who go and, into comics and, doing and that. Obviously, and, and, and people understand you don't express hate and you're not, yeah. you're not, you can seem insensitive with a joke, but the, I, you know, but as long as it's funny, it's releasing, it's not meant as an aggressive act. Kitty, you're up. You just uh, unmute your mic and you're good to go. Hi, Dr. Drew. Hi. It's nice to hey meet there. you. Uh, Jimmy, you it's also well. nice to meet you. Um, oh, I'm hey, a girl. registered nurse. <laughs> I'm a registered mm -hmm. nurse by background and there's a couple of different things I have to just jump in here and say number one i'm not quite sure that trump is a narcissist i don't know i would i would mm. put him into that category number two is the humor is spot on and as a registered nurse i got to mm -hmm. tell you the story used to work in the cath lab where we had to scrub uh, the groins and shave the groins so that we could access either the right or left femoral artery and there, mm -hmm. I had a patient who was just scared to death. I mean, he was visibly shaking. So I was trying mm -hmm. to calm him down. And we typically put a towel over the privates, right, to give them some decency, yep. do the thing. Yep. And I was standing across from a coworker. I picked up the towel and went, whoa, and put it back down. <laughs> and that guy <laughs> laughed and laughed and laughed. Here's like, what you, here's what I promise. <laughs> I hope he did well, but he he still remembers you. I promise. Yeah. He, still, he, still, he still thinks highly of you. He still well, thinks you're best. Just, but but you let, know, when, let me. I just got to say something scared. about my nursing colleagues for a second. 
I, okay. I got to say something because I, I I am so grateful for nursing. I could not, uh, you know, you know what you do. You, I don't know if you ever worked in an ICU or ER, but my God, um, you you two uh, doctors are, we, we, I just don't even want to think about where I would have been without the great nursing that, that I came across. And what kills me and drives me insane is that nursing doesn't sort of get a seat at the table the way it should. People want to talk to nutritionists and they want to talk to chiropractors. And they want to, it's like all these people that really don't know medicine at all, have never been trained, don't know a sick person from a well person. Actually, uh, South Park zeroed in on this one time with an episode. And I thought it was exactly right that the nursing is, is our, our, um, Anchilla, I think is the word. It's it's the hand and glove of medicine with with the stuff that we do as clinicians. And uh, I just I just it drives me a little crazy. And I bring it up whenever I talk to my nursing colleagues. And I just want to say thank you. Absolutely. Well, and uh, yeah, go ahead. Wait, well, wait, let's you're hear very Katie. welcome. Yeah, you're very welcome. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that nurses are is flexible. Um, oh boy, you can adaptable and flexible anywhere. Yeah. And as yeah. long as we have great doctors who teach us, we're golden. Yeah. And, and oh, yeah. Listen, it, I, I know. <laughs> the COVID thing drove me crazy because I was arguing with physicians on LinkedIn saying, where did yep. you go to medical school? Like, did you not yep. take the Good. same virology and microbiology classes I did? And it wasn't mm -hmm. until I found mm -hmm. Dr. Jay Bahacharya, and I said, that guy is telling the truth. But I- You know, it's this so funny. It's funny, it's, you're, you're, <laughs> because you have great, the, the reality is you have great judgment, right? And, and, the, and I had the exact same experience with Jay, and I've interviewed him several times and uh, talked to him, and just, he is a, a mensch amongst menches, and, and I just think he is the poster child for the excesses of the COVID situation, that you would choose that guy to cancel. That guy? That guy is the top of the heap professionally and academically, and that's who you think you should silence? That's insane. And we should well, just, if you don't know who he is, look him up. He, he speaks to, yeah, his, he, his, everything about him speaks for itself. He is such a humble guy. And he, I started mm -hmm. following him on LinkedIn years and years and years ago. And through the, mm -hmm. we were both being censored. And so as a, as a registered nurse Terrible. being censored and he's censored, now we're buddies on Twitter. So Good. follow Jay because he is the epitome of what all physicians should be. I, he's I agree. Just Reasonable. My and he actually, just, you know, he never really did clinical medicine. He's always been a researcher and a teacher and stuff. And he's an epidemiologist and all that kind of thing. But he was clinically trained and his, you know, his judgment is great and that kind of thing. But Kitty, thank mm -hmm. you. And thank you again. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You got it. Jimmy, you wanted to say something? Woo. Uh, no, I listened. The nurse shout out I thought was great. Um, a man of my <laughs> background. I should also shout out naughty nurses, though. I would be remiss. If okay. I didn't talk about the okay. role well, that they you. played in shaping this <laughs> side of the screen, all right, Mr. Classy. Uh, it, it's good. Uh, you're listen, your I, balls. You've got you've got Susan <laughs> Pinsky on, the, on. She's she's appreciating every word of what you're she saying. She has a special oh. job. Um, so Susan, you're picking up some haters on uh, Rumble. Is no, there's just one silly little troll that said this show is stupid. That's Kayla. Uh, and uh, she's 14. So. Oh no, is she really? I don't know. It's, I don't know. Everybody is, else is happy, but Rumble put us on the front page. Jimmy, you're here. You have arrived. Whoa, so we have we have big deal. lots of people watching. It is. Oh, hey, you guys. It is. So 
So no pressure. And there was rumors, uh, Jimmy, of mask mandates coming back. I wonder if you have any thoughts about that. I I know wow. that some colleges have instituted them already. And as uh -huh. I said, uh, my my partner Kelly Victory on this program has uh, identified the new variant that we should be very scared about called BS24.7. Uh, but what about the mask mandate? And well, by the I way, mean, that's not me, to say that uh, something couldn't happen. It could. So it could be a bad variant. It could happen, but it's not happening right now. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, listen, first of all, I'm not concerned one way or the other, because as a former cab driver, like I've caught things you've never heard of. I was told I was immune to COVID like long before, you know, it became a thing. But when it comes to the mask, here's mm -hmm. the problem. OK, the mask is now more about branding than it is about science. Mm -hmm. As you know, it's like a liberal MAGA hat. People walk around with masks on outdoors. You see them in their cars. You see them walking through the park. And there can't actually be any scientific basis for having it on other than you want people to know that this is my side. And my frustration, I'm being serious, man, is when it comes to COVID, which was common cause, we fought each other and continue to fight each other harder than we fight COVID. You dig? And, right. you know, that's right. Implementing one size fits all mandates has nothing to do with controlling a virus and everything to do with controlling the yeah. other side. So that's the frustration. I do think it'll come back, but it's just important to remind ourselves of where we've been. It went from no masks to some masks. Do I can't believe it's not masks. Then it was, you know, Fauci <laughs> took every. I mean, seriously, Fauci took more positions on masks than the nurses on Pornhub. OK, there's no yeah. way you can tell me. There was a concrete through line on masks, other than you look crazy if you're wearing one in your car. Well, if if there was good evidence that masks worked or that mandates worked, then of course I'd be all about it. But there is overwhelming evidence that it does not. And that is because this is a aerosolized virus. We now know that. And it goes 30 feet if there's so much it's a tiny space of, between your nose and the mask. And most yeah. people wear the mask below the nose. Or rather, they don't tie as a space on the it's side of the bad. cheek. That makes the mask complete. It's not the spit. It's not the 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 part of particulate matter. It's the aerosol. And aerosol goes way more than six feet. So the six feet doesn't yeah. mean anything. And the masking has to be perfect with an N95 type mask. And, and, and again, if you think it works, then you shouldn't care what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? Right. I don't call That's I don't right. call up my I don't call up my neighbor and tell him to put on a condom because Jenny and I are about to go do it down the hall because it shouldn't have any That's effect. Right. But here's the thing, and I'm sorry to take it to such a superficial place. But there's the other consequence to the mask, okay? I'm a parent, my son is 14. A lot of kids were socially inhibited by the mask. They didn't pick up verbal cues mm. the same way in school. They were denied that genuine mm -hmm. contact verbally with other people. And then there's this superficial mm -hmm. aspect of, do you know how many people were misled by the mask when it comes to being attracted to other people? Everybody knows oh someone God, they funny. were. But everyone knows someone that they thought was gorgeous till the mask mandate ended. And then they were like, ah, you know, and if you don't know one of those people, it's because you were the person who catfished someone with your nice eyes. But you were a four on your That's wedding terrible. day without the mask. <laughs> and no one talks about no one talks about the victims of mass catfishing. But that's a reality, too, Drew. <laughs> It is. I will leave that where it is. <laughs> Think oh, about so the real victims. Relate to it. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. All right, let me bring Chronic on up here. Chronic just uh, 
hit that microphone lower left hand corner after you come on up. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think if you have a really bad runny nose and you're jumping on an airplane, you should wear a mask. Okay. I, I listen. I have no, no objection to people wearing. It's the mandate no, part. That I caught like, it from a woman on a train going mm -hmm. between Bordeaux and Paris. Mm -hmm. I could hear her sneezing. I went, "Oh my god!" And I got COVID. But it. But Susan, if she had not worn a tightly fitting N95, it would have made no difference. I know, but it would and, at least have not so made these, me so mad. These ideas like mask between bites. That's a zero. <laughs> that is a, that is now I mean, you completely negated the whole she thing. She honked for yes, she did two and a half yes, hours. She did. Like blew her nose. Chronic, go ahead and uh, unmute your mic there. We're all ready for you. <laughs> hey, I don't sorry go on about a train that. if you have COVID. Hey, no problem. I um, I forgot that it doesn't show my real name because I don't have it there. My name is Corey. Um, so hi, Corey. Um, here's, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> not a problem. Uh, here, here's, that's here's, hysterical. Here's the situation. So I have end stage renal disease. I started out in mm. in uh, center hemodialysis. I have switched mm -hmm. to home PD because I mean that it, I love it. it. I can you know form my schedule around it. And so, I so, am, so let me let me go. I'm going to stop you and let me just tell people what, the, what that is. So he went from having to go to a dialysis center where they plugged into a shunt in his arm or somewhere that took his blood out and put it through a dialysis machine. Now he's got a spigot in his abdomen, a little tiny thing that he's able to do peritoneal dialysis. So he puts these specialized fluids in, usually while you sleep, right? You do it overnight. Yeah, Corey? do it while I sleep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, and that it, it exchanges it, it, the fluids are balanced in such a way that all the things that need to be cleared from the system come into the peritoneal cavity, and then you'd pull it back out again. It's a fascinating way of doing it, and a great way of doing it. So good for you. Yeah, it's it, it's it's amazing. Um, you know, I, I I feel better about being able to do it on my own schedule and at, and at home. I had the mm -hmm. the permacast in my chest because. My nephrologist said that, you know, we need to do this immediately. It's been since taken out because, mm. you know, the risk go with that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I, I, yeah. I love the, the home PD. But here is the the question I have for you. So I yeah. am I've done my uh, consultation for a transplant and I'm waiting to hear to make sure that I'm approved. But I want to get on as many mm. transplant lists as possible. Um, I wanted to know if there were any hospitals or transplant centers that you were familiar with that I should maybe look into um, to, to reach out and, and see if I can get on their list as well. Gosh, Corey, aren't there centralized, this is not my area of expertise, but aren't there centralized patient support organizations for chronic renal failure? and and uh, yeah. replacement and and uh I, I you get on as many of those you get the get on the patient advocate the, the patients know what's up right and so you mm -hmm. get on the patient websites the patient advocate website and you start asking like get on a chat ask lots of questions that's where you're going to find the real magic that's where you'll get cool really interesting sort of tips you know what i'm saying okay yeah, and yeah what, what, sure. what was the nature I, I, of your renal disease was it uh Hypertension or diabetes or what, what it, happened? Um, it wasn't diabetes. I, I believe it was hypertension. Um, just got to yeah. a point where it was yeah. just uncontrollable. Um, I do a lot of research yeah. on yeah. Uh, hospitals and clinics. I've, my home center is Emory. That's where I do my dialysis. Well, well, well my PD nurse. It's a big one. It's a big one. It's a good and one. It's a good one. I've, I've been thinking about trying to get on Duke, CS Cedar sinai Vanderbilt. I'm really looking for. I for mean, why not? That have, why not? Yeah. Well, I'm really listen, looking for certainly, where they certainly Duke. 
well, that's an interesting question. That I can't answer. Uh, robotic surgery okay. is always the way to go if you can get it. Um, okay. But, you know, the, once you get that transplant, you'll get it, my friend. And the transplants go exceedingly well. I mean, people just go for long periods of time with the transplants. You, you'll 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 love that. So um, I'm taking you off right now, my friend. I've got other other things I've got to get to here. I'm afraid, uh, but that is uh, you know the, more common than you know, Jimmy. The chronic renal failure, chronic kidney disease, people on dialysis. These are common conditions. And what drives me insane is that hypertension is one of the leading causes of it, and that's such a manageable, easily manageable disease these days. If people, yeah. you know, when doctors say you should be on hypertension medication, take the damn medication. It uh, gets it breaks my heart when people and you know Corey may not even have known he had hypertension. That's the other thing you don't know it half the time. Yeah, stinks up. I'm just listen. I'm glad you took that one, buddy. Uh, that was kind of beyond my pay grade. You the don't only, want to do uh, it? Aside from yourself, aside from yourself, the only doctors I know are Dre and Pepper. So I was definitely at an intellectual disadvantage on that. So thank you. They might have had some trouble with that with that one as he well. He did have that deer in the <laughs> headlight look. Uh, Jimmy's got about eight minutes. Oh, he's got about seven minutes left. So who gotta, Jimmy does? Yeah, yeah. I was I was going to head towards the door. I want to take. I, there are people sort of lining up for questions. If you have, you can come take on some up. more after he goes. Okay, he, if, if you, you want can, to. Do you have okay. anything after this? Uh, commercial. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. We could keep going. Okay. Jimmy, are you? Uh, when's your next gut filled experience? Ooh, so this is the one you need to hear about. Okay. Okay. I'm scheduled to host I'm I'm scheduled to host Greg's show this coming Tuesday, August 28th. I'll be filling in okay. for the King of Late Night. So instead of the King mm -hmm. of Late Night, you get the Rodney King of Late Night. That's me. Nice. Uh, but this mm -hmm. but this Saturday night, hey girl, I am hosting Fox News Saturday night at 10 o'clock this coming Saturday. And that one kind of matters. That's me in the host chair, 10 p.m. Eastern time. And I'll be doing it. Yeah. True, this is nuts. Friday night, I'm performing yeah. in Vegas at the Green Valley Ranch in Las Vegas. And then I'm flying home to host Saturday. So there's a good chance you're watching a Fox News host with a face tattoo on Saturday night, which would be kind of <laughs> historic if I'm spending the previous night in Vegas. So I think it's worth checking at least put in it just a, for that. Put, put, one on, put one on with some henna at least so we get the, the full effect. Keep <laughs> us guessing. One, one last thing I want to ask you about. I, I Talk to me for just a second before I let you go, and we will take some calls after this if you wish. Um, you know, what has gone wrong with media? And, and I, I hold all, particularly the 24-hour the, the news cycle television media, um, like, for instance, I saw Vivek being interviewed by someone over at CNN, and I guess he had made some kind of comment about 9-11 being an inside job. And, of course, he didn't say 9-11 was an inside job. He went something on the order of, my God, I, I can't believe anything that's coming out of television, news, the Atlantic, our our government. You know, I don't know. I, I once thought maybe 9-11 was an inside job. How crazy is that? Not saying, like, that's how crazy I've gotten trying to get to the real information. And he gets attacked for that. You're, that, to me, is the, the lowest rung of journalism. It's like, they, let's get on with what's going on here. Give us the information. Do, an, do your job and interview people about what their actual opinions are, not what not you got you with something that we could give a shit about. What, what's gone yeah. wrong? Well, that's what I think. I and think by the way, we got to this. Mm-hmm. And Fox is guilty of it too. I'm not. I'm not holding just CNN responsible. It's all over the place. But go ahead. What I think is happening is I think the world has gotten too reductive in the name of convenience. Life is now mm. weapons grade convenient. 
If anything you want, you hit a button on your phone, you just have it now. So Mm. political disagreements are inconvenient. Ergo, we'd rather be spoon fed a reason to excommunicate this person and their views in perpetuity Mm -hmm. than take that inconvenient 30 seconds to think with a little depth about the person or the subject matter in question. And that's kind of what cable news has devolved into on a lot of fronts. Yes. It's just an exercise yes. in delivering confirmation bias to people who yes. tune in. I always, I always joke, I have a lot of friends who work at MSNBC because I grew up in New York and everybody's liberal here. But essentially, any mm-hmm. show you turn on over there is just telling them who's a racist, misogynist tonight, and you can feel better about yourself because you don't live in the middle of the country in an affordable McMansion. And it always makes me yeah. laugh as a New Yorker that all of my friends who have nine roommates to afford a studio apartment are like, do you believe these goobers? buying a house at the age of 19 that's brand new. I'm like, yes, I wish I was these goobers if I could. But that's what I think it is. I think this quest, this perpetual quest for confirmation bias is just making us reduce I, everybody to that I one agree. gotcha moment. I, I, I agree, but it's so disappointing to see journalists not being journalists. That, that is that is just, it just calls everything they've done into question. It's it's those Watergate into question. Like, were those guys really, do, or were those guys, what are the, I, it, ma- it makes everything, you know, you, you just, it just makes you sort of doubt everything they're presenting, which is not, even the weather here in Los Angeles, they couldn't present the weather. We had an obvious no nothing happening here. We had a little rain, and it was. I finally found a, a, a meteorologist on Twitter who was honest, and he went, "You guys have Pacific storms that drop more rain than this, and it lasts for two weeks. So you don't worry. It might be a little windy. The desert's gonna have That's a problem." That's what I kept telling everybody. Desert's gonna have a problem because a lot of rain's gonna come, and there's nowhere for it gonna go. So it's gonna be some flash flooding in the desert. They're like stay otherwise, home, shelter in place. Otherwise, it's a nothing burger. And I thought, oh my god. And the rest of them were like, oh, it could be this, and it could be that, it could be a storm surge, it could be could be that. It's like, stop it, everybody, just stop it. It's just so disappointing. So anyway, it is. that's my, it's a that's my favorite. My favorite weather guy was Fritz Coleman, and he used to say, why would you take advice from a comedian about the weather? He was a comedian, he was also did the weather for years. He goes, NBC I don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. He goes, I just say whatever they <laughs> tell me to say. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, uh, Jimmy, I know you got to go. Susan, do you want to express your love for Jimmy so you don't have to do it over, over a text message later? Oh, yeah. We'll be talking later. He's he's the highest uh, audience that we've ever had on Rumble. I just want to let him oh, know. Oh, nice. stop it. Susan, yeah, you, you are buttering I, me up, girl. I knew you I, had I told it. You, whatever it is. There's a, there's a lot of chubby chasers little, out there. Uh huh. Well, they're all here tonight. So, anyway. <laughs> I believe you need to go. Is that correct? We got to let you go. You got important things to do. Yeah. I'm going to try not to get emotional, but we're going to go shoot a segment for the Saturday night show. Please, somebody watch. Look at me. I need ratings. Yeah. Everybody everybody watch and go out to what it was at Green Valley, the the, uh, Green Valley. If if you're in in Vegas Vegas this weekend. Yeah. Green Valley Ranch Friday night. And my one hour stand up comedy special is taping Friday night, October 13th at the Paramount in Huntington, Long Island. You come out to that, that's going to be a banger, Drew. Come on. Yeah. All right, my friend. Hopefully see you soon in New York, and uh, thank you for joining us. All right. Susan, call me. I will. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to get a couple more calls in here. This is uh, Martin. Martin has his hands up. I give him a chance to come up here really quickly before we wrap this thing up. Uh, yeah, I even beat Megan Kelly's numbers. 
Hey, the K, that Kalia, that Kalia one that was uh, trashness, she has an uh-huh. interesting point. She says, I wish marijuana cured COVID. I know some people who claimed it does. I wish that were true. Me too. too. <laughs> I wish that were so. That would be awesome if that probably were the makes case. you feel a little better, you know. And by the way, the, Paxlovid's been going oh, high, Rex. Paxlovid's getting trash lately. I, you know, I'll tell you a story, Susan. About somebody who took Paxlovid, got was really sick and was better by morning. Yeah, I think right. if somebody's really sick and could die, it doesn't sound and, like a bad and idea. By the way, that's why I don't have enthusiasm for ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and all these other things because you never see that. You never see like the boom. There's so much better like yeah. 12 hours yeah but you I, might catch it again because it does have a well rebound. there's a little rebound right sometimes and you watch for the rebound but when people are really sick uh and, and no, going downhill I mean, it's it's everybody remarkable. has to understand that drew's saving lives every day you know people that come to him are really sick and could die and mm-hmm. if it works he's gonna tell you that's I, the way i'm it gonna is. do it because uh, you have to put yourself out there but whatever listen i yeah i know you don't like the drug company but uh think about it this way as a physician we have two things we can do we can prescribe a medication or we can pull out a knife that's it that's what we do and we can do education and set up treatments of physical therapy and things like that but really we either prescribe something and we're highly dependent on the big drug companies to get those somethings and i understand there's lots of problems i talked to rfk jr i'm i am a i am persuaded but um but it's all we got and it really does we're fighting deadly illness i saw was it i think bill maher somebody the other day was saying we have a sickness we have a sickness healthcare system it's like yes yes that's what doctors do keep people from dying that's it when somebody's really in a car accident, when they're mangled, when they're dying to whatever, that, that's when we come in. And we're busy doing that. We can't, we're, we're not in the business of wellness. Wellness is a different thing. And it's very, very important. Very important. I don't want to minimize it at all. But that is a different thing than treating illness, which is what we are trained to do. You know what, guys? I'm gonna, I'm going to wrap this up. There are a couple of hands up, but I'm, I'm kind of running out of steam. And I'm afraid I'm going to sort of not be as focused as I should be. Caleb, are you cool with that or should I keep going? Uh, yes, no, that's a good, uh, just if Martin's already up, yeah. uh, go ahead, I'd go and take his call. He's not, it's, it's, I had the same problem with him that I had with that other woman. Oh, darn it. That, that's what I'm worried that, that things are getting kind of, uh, I remember, see, I can bring it back. Martin's usually, if that's the same Martin, he usually has some good points. Okay, yeah. well, I'm, I'm trying. I, I, there's something's wrong with my uh, thing here. He's, I'm stuck in that loop. Oh, there he is. I'm, Wait, I'm, I'm here. Martin, there he is. Martin, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I could. I couldn't hear you earlier. I could. I could speak. I could see. I could turn my microphone on, but I couldn't hear you. So thank you for uh, letting me speak uh, again. Um, you bet. Yeah, I'm wondering about. I'm wondering about like politics and journalism, and uh, you know, uh, I know Caleb's Catholic. I've heard him say this before. I've gone back to the Catholic Church. And I've gone back to, you know, just kind of trying right. to understand temptation, um, uh, sin, and virtue, right? And I, I think that. You know, the more that I delve into it and, and practice, the more I realize that, <clears throat> you know, thinking is a temptation, right? And, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. I'm not going to start preaching here, but that's basically why, you know, you can sin just by looking at someone, right? Just by looking uh, lustfully at someone. And mm-hmm. the, the reason I bring this is that I wonder if we haven't just lost that ability to think and to... I don't know, like the objective ability to to take responsibility for our, our own thoughts and to do that yeah. collectively. Yeah. You know, religion has has lost has been lost. 
within our, our, our culture. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I have I have felt, I, Martin, I have felt for a long time that it's time for a new Great Awakening of some type. I didn't know politics was going to be the focus of the Great Awakening. Uh, I do think that religion serves a function. You know, you don't have to be a believer even, in a sense, believing that it's real you, and to derive tons of benefit from it. And, so, you know, whatever the language is we use around religion, whether it's sin or aggressive impulses or defense mechanisms it's it's a these words are just words but they're all dealing with the same thing which is some of our horrible impulses as human beings some of our narcissistic uh you know envy is a constant injunction in religions as a as a deadly sin yes we are tend towards envy we tend towards projection we tend towards exploitation we do all these things and if there's not something in there causing us to stop and think like you're saying or to manage those things from the outside in you know you you, you live a certain kind of life the insides change and it's and it's you know we it, we have to kind of come to terms with that it could help us i i'm glad you're doing that i think there are lots of things like that to be done out there it doesn't have to be the catholic church i mean lots of things but we we need help we don't we don't automatically um we, we are not automatically good even when we think we're doing good i earlier we were talking about the caretaking and the caring and the caring that's a form of aggression that's more sin it's you know caring caring for your own benefit not for selflessly for somebody else so there's a lot in what you're sort of suggesting here. Yeah, well, I think it was it was that it was when you were speaking about that. It's, it kind of went along with what I've been gathering, and I think that if we don't all yeah. collectively have a you know a, uh, an agreed upon sense of what is virtuous and what is sinful, or what is good and what is bad, then yeah, yeah, yeah then we're we're butting heads like constantly. We don't even have well, those in- definitions. And not only that, Martin, there's a reason, there's a reason that these, you know, that throughout human history, there have been philosophers advocating and struggling with these issues and saints and religions, and they all are going at the same stuff that we are allowing to run out of control right now. So I I just agree with you. I I think think there's something in that. I I think that by removing philosophy from science, that uh, that's why now we have, you know, people that call themselves believers in science so, that will mutilate yeah, science. Right. All right. So let me tell you that that uh, the Pope Paul had an encyclical, uh, this is now probably whenever he was alive, 14 years ago or something. And uh, he had a, he was trying to reconcile faith and reason, right? What What is it, you know, how do you, because the Catholic Church has actually had a lot, long history of of science and and philosophy of reasoning and and they they've tried to do a good job with that and he said you know what and you used another word a minute ago not not just faith what did you say um what was the other word you used a second ago well something like faith uh, but he said he said faith and reason are the two wings upon which humans ascend to the contemplation of truth and I thought, boy, that is a great because because you have to have some faith in order to like faith that the laws of gravity are still going to continue, and you have faith that you can rely on some of the expertise of of authorities and things. But you you have to have them both, faith and reason are they are they are complementary. So there you go. That's my fun, my little 
uh, public service announcement. And thank you for coming on up here. And uh, I will leave it at that if you guys don't mind. Thank you all for being here today. Tomorrow is going to be a very interesting show. We have Kelly Victory back with us. And we're going to be speaking to the Danish physician and researcher who did the very fine research that showed that 5% of the vaccine batches was responsible for 90% of the adverse reactions. And she couldn't get this study published. It is, it's just unbelievable. But anyway, uh, Chris Rufo on Thursday, the following uh, week, we have Ega Wilson, Mark Changizi coming back on August 31st. We look forward to that. I get him on his own show so I can really dig in with that guy. He's a cognitive psychologist. And we'll go at some of these other issues we've been talking about today from the standpoint of cognitive psychology. So those of you on the spaces, I appreciate you being here. Uh, we've been monitoring the restream and the uh, Rumble Rant, so we see a lot of the stuff you're saying. Susan, anything you want to say before I wrap it up here? Yep, that was a good show. All right, we appreciate A little different. It. We're going to do that occasionally. Bring yeah, on bring comedians in. Non-medical, you know. Yeah. Somebody funny sometimes. Yeah, I think, I think comedians are... Uh, I just think he's funny. Yeah, Sorry. well, let's bring Mackie and uh, and Shalui in here. How about that? I'll bring, bring all the whole gang. I don't gang. know if they'd be as funny as him, but we'll see. We will see. All right, everybody, we'll see you tomorrow at 3 o'clock Pacific time with Dr. Kelly Victory. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. Yeah.